just kick it off. Roman got fucked on Sunday versus Milan, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I give a shit. Chris, Chris, you're getting initiated now because it's your first time on the pod. So, introduction, Roma Merida, and uh, you guys got fucked Merida. Yeah, uh, I, I, I smell like Merida a lot, I know. I love the banter has uh, already started. But uh, no. Jerry in fine form out the gate. <laughs> and, 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 30 and, seconds in. And Atalanta got royally fucked again. Gasparini. I don't know, man. I don't know anybody who gets Gasparini more like that guy. Okay, go ahead, Alex. You're good, man. Hey, we are live on another episode of the Calcio Connection. Uh, I, I love it. And we have an awesome all-star panel today including a first timer and it's probably it probably took us way too long i always feel bad whenever we have somebody on for the first time because it usually means it's long overdue so we are really happy to have chris desantis on with us uh you notice that the panel today uh, i'm i'm you know i i guess uh jerry and i are the odd men out being an interista and a laziale but we have uh, a couple of romanisti we have a milanista because we are going to be reviewing Milan's 2-1 to victory at Roma over the weekend. And you bet your ass I'm going to sneak in a little bit of a preview for the Milan Derby this coming weekend. Because it's not every day I get to talk to Richard Carmen. So we're going to be going head-to-head this week. But before we get to all that, let's introduce Chris DeSantis. Chris, thank you so much, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Doing really well. And typically, when we have a first-time guest on, bro, I'd love to hear your story of how you became a Roma supporter. Well, I fell in love with the game. Well, fell in love with Roma with uh, Dotti. Dotti's the one who got me into the game. He got me in. He mainly got me into the sport. My dad kind of watched it, but not not really. And I once I saw Dotti play for the first time, it just kind of took off from there. I totally get that, man. It's one of those players. Um, and and I, I feel like you know, obviously, uh, you know, you can become supporters of various clubs for a number of different reasons geography can be part of that but it's a small part of it obviously a lot of people who grew up in Rome of course grew up on Roma but it's one of those things because you know I, I meet a lot of people who support Roma a lot of people in the USA and to a man if I ask them like hey you know you're not Italian you don't have family and I'm not saying Chris you are Italian I'm not saying you're not but when I meet people who aren't even Italian who support Roma usually the common denominator is almost always Totti that Totti was yeah. the one who brings people in man so the man the man was a magician yeah, absolutely. Well, what like a player, that, I man. Like, I like that flag you have behind your uh, – on the right side. Some these are for Calcio. Oh, I like, like that. The, yeah, that's pretty that's cool. The, that's the IFTV flag. Well, now Jerry <laughs> suddenly doesn't like it anymore. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> no, no, I like it. I, I like this. The, the, zing! I, like the, I, could, <laughs> I could not get it. It was it was too good. Too good. Sunday's no, it's for good. Calcio. I like it. It's, it's, it's Pretty good though, and what's oh, the, the jersey? That one's that one's better though. No, that's that's a lot of dirt behind you. But anyways, nah. that's dirt. And what about the one on the left? What jersey is that? that is that Totti's jersey that's, number ten there? No, that's that's my name. A... My oh okay, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice man, nice. And Dan, Chris is already getting love from the commenters. Uh, Dan, Dan Lucci, Dan, a big Chris Danny, Danny. They, outside of being a Juve supporter, Dan's a pretty good guy. Uh, let's yeah. introduce the rest of the panel. Very happy to welcome back a guy who's become a regular, and we're happy to have him. And I, I've already gave him a hard time this week about Roma having one job, one job. Just take some points from Milan. You let me down, Mass. I haven't yet forgiven you, but how are you, sir? 
I'm fine yourself, Alex. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I know you let me have it in the, the group chat with uh, Roma, obviously, uh, that Sunday. A really bad start to that game. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and we also will introduce uh, one of my favorite, Milan Isti. Uh, oh, and see, I'm so glad he did that. He, tur- he turned his camera off for a second. I was so amazed. When he popped into uh, our video stream before we went live, I couldn't believe it. Richard Carmen, dude, this guy is a fucking brand. Like, you have Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Nike, and then you have Richard Carmen. The man has his own logo, and it's, like, really professional. Honestly, if you if you sold, like, polo shirts and hats with that logo on there, I would buy it. Richard Carmen. Sponsored by Nike. Favorite- yeah, one of our favorite Milanisti, and of course, you see him, you hear him, you love him on the Serie A sit down. He and Frank Cravello, and we gotta—I I know Frank's a busy, really busy dude. We gotta have him back on the show at some point as well. Uh, it's been way, way too long. But yeah. Richard, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Hoping to get Frank on next Tuesday, but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, riding high from this past weekend, and uh, looking forward to uh, this weekend ahead with uh, your club there. So yeah, it's good. It's a busy week, um, and yeah, man, it's it's been. Calcio's has been fun this year. So many good teams. So many good teams. And, and of course, uh, Jerry Mancini, you know, I know even though you're a Lazio supporter, uh, you, you've been very vocal on social media talking about, uh, you know, Roma getting screwed over. You thought they should have had a pen on the contact on Pellegrini. Uh, and and this, is, this is a point that – and we've seen this happen a number of times this year on Calcio Twitter – uh, you know, we had the the Dumfries incident a couple of weeks ago, Inter against Juve, which was debated. This one's getting debated the same way. So how did you see it, Jerry? Roma lose the match two to one. You thought they should have had a pen. Did they get screwed? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the problem here is that a lot of people are saying, OK, I agree that Cruden should have had the foul and that that shouldn't get that Hernandez shouldn't be missing the game on Sunday. That second yellow should never happen in the first place because if Krunic gets called for a foul, Hernandez doesn't get the second yellow. That I agree. That can change the complex of the game. Right. But it's not a game changer. You know what I mean? Like I, I think and it's not a game changer in a way like like Pellegrini says, because it's inside the box, it's a penalty, and that can change the game late. It's late. You know what I mean? If he gets called, it's two two. The game is tied. Right. And both sides get a point. I, I I just think that the circumstances are different, but just given where the penalty is, but overall the whole game was officiated. So people can go right back at me and counterattack. Well, well, guess what? If if Milan wasn't down a guy, that could have been a game changer too, because now they gotta yeah. change their game around. So there's that is a game changer, but. I yeah, just if, think, they, if they weren't down a guy, they might have won it three zip or two nil. Like we don't know. I. I I, 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 I know I'm, I'm probably contradicting myself a little bit here. I just think that the impact of a penalty in the stages of where that game was and what it was, like everything. And the fact that it's it's much bigger. Here's another problem. So with with the Hernandez foul, you can't go back and say, hey, while well, Krunich got fouled, we got to go back to that. No, it, it's it's once the play is gone, the foul cannot be overviewed where the penalty of, of the actual Pellegrini could be reviewed. And what's so disappointing is that VAR wasn't used in this situation. I think that I think the, the bigger issue here is not that Roma got screwed, is that we have the material, the, 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 the resources to help us to, to improve the game, and we're not using it 
to make the game better. I see on social media where a certain someone has to keep on saying that Roma got screwed and Milan effed us. And it's, and it's three days, three days straight, same person. And it's like, bro, you're making yourself look like a clown. Okay. You're not the only person. Don't, don't make it like cry wolf. It's you're the only issue in this game. Milan were subjected to issues as well. But I like, it's both ways. It's not like it's just one sided. Now, I will say this. I thought the game, even though Milan was down a guy, I thought I thought that Milan. I, I I'm done. With I agree that. with that comment, dude. Uh, if, if if that if that was Juventus and not Roma, they would have gone to the VAR. I you know what? I I, I like to be kind of open minded and not try to be biased. That's all. If, I, if we had stripes, if we had if we had stripes on our kit, they would have went to the VAR. Just, you're probably right. I, I love I love how Jerry chooses today to say he's gonna be unbiased. The, the the guy who every other tweet is Roma Merida two middle fingers now. Now today hey, he wants to be unbiased. As much as I hate Roma, I am not biased to Roma either because when no, I not. because a Roma fan tweeted me right away and said this is a Laziale who actually openly said that Roma got screwed. So I'm a Lazio fan, and I'm going on out of my way to say that Roma got screwed. I, And, and another thing is, why would someone want to wish Veritu hurt Sandro Tonali? Like, let's get this off the record. I don't care if it's on the pod. How stupid can a person be to wish There was someone... one very specific person in Roma Twitter, Jerry. We, we, we all know who it and, is. And, and, and no, call me stupid because I saw the tweet. I don't know Luke who that Jeroni is. But hold on, Luke hold on. Called... I, I, don't, I don't know who the guy was who sent that tweet, but I saw it because it was retweeted 100 times. Like, was he being sincere or was no, it like a stupid being joke? Serious. It's a stupid really? joke. Said, Beautiful tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, wow. I, I don't. And, and you know what the sad part is, though? One bad Roma fan ruins it for 20 Roma fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, for and sure. It, and that's the sad part is that it's always subjected to one person who who makes it up for everyone else. It's like, it's like if you go see my timeline, being again, being a Lazio fan, I, I've always said that I hope Zaniolo comes back healthy because yeah. two knee injuries, you don't want to see a guy like that. Have to Especially end someone it. with so much potential. He's got He's, so much potential. Oh, exactly. My God. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, you know, all all like, five of us, even though you know we root for different clubs, most of us we're we're all Azzurri fans, right? And and Zaniolo is a exactly. guy that can help you know continue this golden generation of young Italian talent. I mean, they they just won a Euro without him. Imagine what they could do with him in a World Cup. I've never seen anybody wish Ro- like Immobile. I know how bad he is at times with Italy. He he hasn't been the greatest, but I've never seen a Roma fan go other than I've never seen a Roma fan fa- say I hope Chino Immobile dies. Hope he gets hurt. Hope he trips. No, I've always seen fans just say, "Well, he stinks." And you know what? You want to say he stinks? There's nothing wrong with that because you're entitled to your own opinion. But when you start making it more personal, it's like, bro, these guys go out to do a job. They do the best they can, and that's it. Then they, they're, they're just human beings like us. Day. Yeah. But I'll let you guys take the take the the stage because I can be going ranting all day. And I, and I'll get to the point where I'll say that yeah, you Juventus do get the calls. Well, and, and I want to let said. me let me let me continue uh, with the with the Roma uh, part of the panel, and then I'll give Richard the last word on this. And and like this is kind of a two parter. And Mass, I'll start with you. Just uh, not you, you could talk about the the Pellegrini contact if you thought it should have been a pen. 
But then you can also talk about the officiating in the game as a whole, because I think Gary pointed it out correctly. It's also important to get the context, right? Because there's, you know, 90 plus minutes of officiating, not just that one play. So what did you think of that? And then what did you think about the entire game? It's dicey. There's no consistency on on calls and certain contacts in the box. In we've seen it all season in City. Yeah, it's not. This game is just one problem amongst the many we've been seeing throughout the the match days that have been passing week in week out. Uh, Pellegrini, I, I I gotta see a replay again because it's so far behind me from Sunday. I can't remember it exactly, but it was a little. Um, I think it sh maybe should have been a penalty because look, if you're calling Zlatan's the Zlatan PK, you got to call that as well. Because I the Zlatan is the Zlatan penalty uh, penalty call is the one that's been stuck in my mind the most because Ibanez made the run, caught up to Zlatan, and got shoulder to shoulder with him. Like it was a shoulder to shoulder, like they collided shoulder to shoulder. He got level with him, and yeah, fine, he may have clipped him, but he got ball at that point. He had already put Zlatan off balance with the contact shoulder to shoulder trying to push him off the ball, right? So it, it, it's really – it's tough calls. It's really tough. Like, the Zlatan one, I feel, is a little soft. Like, you get muscled off by a guy who just chased you down and you get muscled off a, a shoulder to shoulder play like that. But the Pellegrini, it's not coming to mind right away because I've been so fixated on that Zlatan call all It, it was all very – and, and I, honestly, I thought, I, I thought Ivano said it. He summed it up really, really well. He said, Milan played better and deserved to win – but Maresca, that's the the referee, robbed us of the chance to score on that Chiara Pellegrini penalty. So similar okay. to the Dumfries-Sandro contact, but different outcome. I, I agree. It, it did look very similar to that. So it's similar to the Dumfries-Sandro contact? Yeah. If that's the case, then I really think if you're going to call that a penalty and you call you call this one a penalty, I would think, to, cons to remain consistent. But then again, yeah. there is zero consistency. Right, and, and like it, it, it's hard enough to ask for the same referee to be consistent on the way he calls games, let alone asking every Serie A referee to be consistent with one another. It's just it's never going to happen. No, at all. But they they need to kind of sit down and maybe take a look at this. Maybe over the next international break, I would I would it would be they need to they need to really get to the bottom of this because it's it's happening week in week out at this point. It, so it let to, me go. Oh, yeah. It needs to Sorry. get it needs to get looked into if it's happening so often that so many people are getting upset about it. So, yeah, no doubt. Let me go on to you, Chris. Well, what did you think about that specific non-call and talk about Maresca's referee performance as a whole? Um, first for the non-call, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that it didn't get called. Um, I think the Dumfries Sandro. Um, penalty was a lot softer and I, the, the the inconsistency of the refs are just it's absolutely insane it's it's mind-boggling to be honest how bad they are like how can you be a professional referee and be calling such bad games it's just it doesn't make sense um i just don't see how it wasn't a penalty i don't see how they didn't even review it they didn't look into it he didn't even want to look into it so that's that alone could have changed the game you know what I mean? That alone got a, would have got us a point had we had Veratut have uh, sank the penalty this time. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good point as well. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, I, I, point. I no one's it, actually it, said it, that. Right. That's it, a really it's good. Not point. a guaranteed goal. It's not. That's a no. good um, point, man. One thing I want to mention too is um, the new kid, 
Felix, um, the, he got he he initially tripped in the box with the ball. Kind of got up, got held down, tripped again. I don't know why they didn't look into that either. No one's really mentioning that too much. Um, I think that definitely could have possibly gotten a penalty as well. Um, but it's not being talked about as much as I think it should have been. Just something to think about. That's just another poor officiating move. Um, as far as his Latan foul, I mean, what do you ex- what do you expect the defender to do? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? That that's just to me that's just football, ball on ball. I mean, man on man on ball. You know what I mean? That's just a fight for the ball. I think it was too soft of a, of a penalty to say so myself. Um, overall, in the match, I think the officiating was absolutely atrocious on both sides. Um, I think City has to do better. They have to do better. Yeah, no doubt. And and when we're talking about the uh, the consistency and the comparisons that uh, that people make to the the Dumfries content on Sandro, and again, this is not even uh, me talking about this specific play in the Roma Milan game. It's just consistency in general. Because on on the Dumfries uh, foul, uh, quote unquote foul, the, the 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 official on the pitch actually waved and said played on, and it was VAR who intervened and decided that to them that was clear and obvious error to look at it. So I'm, you know, I, I think if it had been called initially, you could say, you know what, all right, there was maybe slight contact there. Maybe you look at the VAR and try to overrule it, but they use VAR that time around. They didn't use it this time around, which is, seems like a lack of consistency. Let's bring in Richard Carmen on this next. So Richard, uh, and you know what? I think a lot of people on the chat are in agreement that, you know, Milan did play better. Like it's and and so if you if you just go by the run of play, obviously the run of play doesn't always tell the story in a football match. But if you go by the run of play, you know it's not to say that Milan committed some act of robbery. They didn't deserve three points. I mean, they played very well. They've been playing very well, obviously all season. But what did you think about the officiating there, the non-call on Pellegrini and uh, and the match in its entirety? Uh, and let's not forget, there's two goals taken away for offsides from Milan as well. They were humming pretty well. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, both plays, we'll start with the Zlatan one. Uh, it was a soft penalty. It was a soft penalty for sure. Uh, and the problem with the whole situation with the, with the Zlatan is Maresca called it a, a penalty from the spot. If he said, if he wasn't sure and VAR said double check it, that's different. But the VAR went to check if there was an obvious error. And according to that, I mean, but letter of the law, it's a foul. If you want to be technical, technically, Pellegrini is a penalty as well, right? Yeah. Um, so by letter of the law, there was no clear and obvious error. The referee called a penalty, and it was very tight. It was a soft penalty, 100% soft. Um, I think it was a body a body check, as everyone's saying. It was a shoulder to shoulder. Vina got him slightly on the leg, but it's it's semantics, really. I thought it was a soft penalty. And then the Pellegrini call, um, same thing. I mean, it, it, it should it, if you call... The Dumfries won the penalty, you know, the Zlata one. It, w- it would have been another penalty. It should have been a penalty too, a soft one also, but a penalty as well. But we can't play. There's so many other plays that happened in the game that weren't called as well, right? Kunich got a yeah. foul just before the El Sharawi goal. If you call that, El Sharawi goal doesn't count. You know, you could have called her two with the red. There's so many plays. Maresca was piss poor. I mean, he's been, he's been notorious anti-Milan in his career. But he was poor for Roma. It's poor for Milan. He was just poor overall. There's a reason why he's going to get suspended because, what, 12 yellow cards in the game. Both teams have missed big calls both ways. Uh, he was just atrocious. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why VAR 
didn't intervene. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure they were looking at it, but why they didn't reach out to the referee, I don't know at the end. But yeah, it's just a suspect play from beginning to the end of the game that uh, ruined what it could have been a very good game. I want to actually intervene. And everybody talks about Jordan Vera too. And yes, he should have got a red. But let's be realistic here. When he gets that foul, it's at the end of the game. So even if he were to get a red, Milan Twitter needs to understand it had no impact on the game because after he makes that challenge, it's done the game. Like it's really the last play of the game and it's done. So yeah. so that, that play absolutely has no relevance on the game. You want to look at Veritude getting a red to the next game? Yes, absolutely. They get penalized. I can yeah. see it. That's the bigger play. The bigger play was Kunich foul. Yeah. Just before, oh, shut out, we go. That's but, the play. Everyone's focusing on the tackle, the beautiful tackle. Uh, that was done by Vera too, but you're right. It was end, 97th minute after the the goal that that Roma had scored. So yeah, yeah, it's it's people focusing on that for no reason other than he should have got a red. That's it. I actually asked you guys. I, I honestly, even before the penalty was called, I thought that Milan didn't look as sharp as soon as Latin went off the pitch. I thought they kind of dipped a little bit and they weren't as effective as they were with him on the pitch. So. I don't know. That's how I kind of saw that little sequence before they got the card. And I wonder how they would have played had they continued 11 on 11 with all Zlatan because Zlatan yeah. was so good in this game that he was really controlling it. And they didn't look the same as, as soon as he came out. But I I, I think that the foul on on uh, Zlatan is, is right because the from what I remember and how I see it is that Zlatan has, has a step ahead of the defender he has possession of the ball he's being checked off so i think it, 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 in defense to, to the referees that uh, he sees that he has clear advantage inside the box and he's being side checked off him now and there's contact i know it's, it's slight i've seen this happen the last so many times with penalties this year and other players it, it, even if it's i think it's the slightest being a defender, you're so vulnerable now because there's so much protection to, to strikers that it's it, it, like if you watch Luis Felipe make a challenge in the box, watch how, how perfectly he times it now to get ball and only ball because the slightest contact and it's a foul. I've I've seen lots. This is a different up. game. Yeah, it's ten so, years ago, twenty years yeah. ago, this has been a ta perfect tackle, great yeah. play, Gardinia. Yeah, and, um, and, and you know what really illustrates that for me because, like, you know, I I, I watched uh, I watched Calcio like I, I really started watching it in like the early '90s. But when the game evolves, you don't you know it evolves so like slightly. You don't always remember what it was like. But then a couple of years ago, when I was watching the uh, the Maradona documentary and like the game footage they had, the way that that dude was getting freaking mugged, like his you know he was so skilled on the ball, of course greatest of all time in my opinion and just the the sort of contact that would go uncalled you know back in the 80s you know into the early 90s on Maradona it was like wow if that was these days these would all be fouls and a lot of those would be penalties the ones inside the box so it's a completely different game now I want I want to shift off to the penalty now because we can go for an hour and a half and we will be at the same outcome that our minds are never going to change but I I think that even though there were some unfortunate calls, and, uh, and I, I'm not going to be biased. I, I think that both sides got screwed. Just that one got more screwed because they didn't get any points. Uh, I think there's still a lot of things to take away from this game, and 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 I'll ask, I'll go to Mass and Chris first. Uh, sorry, Alex. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, no, no, seriously, 
what, what was your opinion or your thoughts of how Roma played as a whole, even though everything that happened? Like, take away the fouls, take away the cards, the actual performance and and, and what Josie Mourinho has done to this point, I think there's a lot of wow, but then there's also the mm. So I'll ask, I'll ask you, Chris, first. Um, I think this this match itself should not in any way reflect what Mourinho has done up until this point. That that has not been the Roma that we've been seeing all season. This was not the Roma that played against Napoli and drew Napoli. There was no no desire to to do anything. Um, I think up until this, I think you know, up until prior. I think this has been a completely different Roma slowly and it's slowly getting better. I don't know what happened for this match to be so poor as it was, but their their heads just were not in that match for about probably 70 minutes, to be honest. It was absolutely piss poor. Um, maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's from the bench not being as deep as it should be. Um, I was looking at the game, at the you know everything before the game. You look at you look at Milan's bench. There's players that would just you know instantly start on on our team. You know what I mean? But you look at our bench. It's like you know maybe two guys are worth anything, and then the rest are just who knows, just fill-ins for now. You know what and, I mean? And, and, I and, and a lack of depth like that, the these last couple seasons, it hurts even more with five subs, right? I mean, listen, the the, the five substitutions rule that you know it benefits Milan, it benefits Inter, uh, you know, it, it does benefit Juventus. Obviously, Juve are not what they've been in recent years, but they do have a very deep squad still uh, compared to many in Serie A. So, unfortunately, yeah, clubs like Roma and Lazio, you know, compared to the Milan's, Juve's, and Inter's of the world, it's a disadvantage. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But I think up until this point, he's his philosophy is slowly starting to get into the players. Um, they're playing with more grinta. Um, I think it's it's just only going to get better once we get Spina back. Spina is going to, I think, completely change change the game, the way everyone plays. He's a phenomenal player, and I think it's it's going to have more of an impact than everyone thinks it's going to have. Um, same with the Mercato coming, you know, shortly, it's going to come before we know it. And hopefully we, hopefully we can make some additions that's going to, you know, push us towards the top four, you know what I mean? At the end of the season. So we'll see what happens, but I think he's, you know, I think people need to give him time. I mean, realistically he's, you know, we're not far into the season by any means necessary. So. We'll see what happens. But I think so far, you know, we're going in the direction we need to be going in. Mass? What do you think, Mass? I agree. Um, they came out sleepwalking, and they pretty much were just there for 70 minutes and then only showed some sense of urgency at the end. There's, that's no way to win a game when you go down two goals, even if they're down to 10 men. Obviously, they're going to play more compact and uh, and kind of give us a hard time. So this game, I feel, is an anomaly – and I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna downplay the loss to uh, to during the Europa Conference, UEFA Conference League against Bodo Glimt or whatever, however you pronounce their team name. 
it, it just goes to sh- those are these are just telling signs of how little trust we can have in the bench outside of two three players maybe like the depth isn't there it's not uh it's not gonna help us at all we like chris said we need a good mercato Mourinho knows this is a project team so it's gonna take time but they are showing the best things that he has implemented are the fact that the team is showing some sense of identity and character which is great I'm th- this game is just very uh, is a very um, it's a very isolated situation with how this team kind of came out and just showed nothing. And I do think it has to do with fatigue because of the fact that we're lacking depth um, on the bench as well. Like we're, we're starting our starters all the time. And like Chris said, yeah, OK, Spinazzola is going to come back. My problem is we're going to run him into the ground as soon as he gets back on the pitch and recovering from an ACL injury. So we need to kind of maybe see what happens but the mercato is going to be big for us come january we need to make some that, uh, some moves and address depth that could make or break the season to be honest it, it can i mean at best the, the outlook i had was maybe top four so I, I didn't expect them to come out and be scudetto contenders out the gate we have to like i said we everyone needs to temper their expectations but it's all trending in the right direction after the last few years under fonseca and i'm really liking what we're seeing so Hopefully, over time, it does get better and they re- they get more consistent. But that ident- that team identity is back, and that's a big plus for me with what Reno has done so far for uh, for Roma. You know, speaking of uh, of big pictures, I, I want to get Richard's take on the flying start so far for Milan, and and this is and and it is, uh, and I'm I'm not trying to uh, to give any sort of foreshadowing. For the season to end the way that it did last year but I do see comparisons to the first half of last year because even having to endure you know a lot of injuries and a, a lack of continuity on the pitch uh, it doesn't really seem to matter who Milan starts in games they still seem to grind out the same results W after W after W uh, like what do you chalk that up to Richard because for me a big part of it a big part of it is just the consistency and continuity under Pioli like I'm not saying I rate Pioli as one of the best managers in the world, but I do think he's a good manager. And I think now that they're in, what, the third or or fourth season under Pioli, I think that the continuity is really paying off. So uh, what do you chalk up their consistency to? And obviously Zlatan is a freaking lion. I'll throw that in as well. Yeah, and Kiar as well. Uh, 101 games now for Pioli. Uh, Obviously, you got to give him a lot of credit. Um, Number one reason is probably got to be Chalinola, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so that's for Lisi. Um, no, you know, it's this, this team, full credit has to go to Pioli. Um, obviously, having, I think, his, I, I call him, I call them the, the vice managers, and Ibra and Kiar. They've been so instrumental for this young team. Uh, very similar start to last year where we started out so well, but this year we got injuries now, we got adversity, and we're still going through and still getting victories. Um, this team has come a long way, and, and there, we got more depth now. You know, we, you know, there's all this murmurs or whatever from losing Hakan, losing Gigio, and we're going to be disrupting ourselves. Da, da, da. But Magnon is was just as good as Gigio when he came in. Yeah. Um, Ibrahim Diaz played well. Leao is playing better than expected. Tonali's all of a sudden re- emerged. Um, so Milan's got a lot, really great depth at the moment. And you know, if you look. Any, any neutral who looks at Milan's roster, you're like, eh, they got really no one other than Zlatan. Who do they have? But they actually have a pretty good team. Very good team. And, you know, kind of go back to what the two Romanisi who just said, Kristen Mass, you know, they were saying that this is um, not your typical Roma game. And I agree with them. This is not what we've seen from Roma this year. 
Um, and I did a, a piece for Chiesa de Totti previewing this game. And I said, you know, I know I've, I've watched Roma games, maybe not as depth, obviously not as these two gentlemen, but I've watched a lot of Roma games. I, I love watching Roma's midfield. They're fantastic. I love watching Tammy. But I know Mourinho very well. When he plays a team he thinks is very strong, he's going to play deep and a counter. And he did this in mm -hmm. this more so than he did in the other games like Napoli and Juventus. And this is why Roma didn't play that well. This is not their style. Um, they they were successful in their, in their counters, yes, but Milan was taking full advantage of it. They had, what, four goals, two taken away. And if it's not for stupid head uh, Teo, they would, you know, who knows what the game would have been, right? Uh, <laughs> player, Teo is an idiot. But all credit, for the, all credit to this has to go to Pioli, I think. He's finally getting over the hump of that mid-table shtick where, you know, that's all he's good at. Um, and I think beating... Uh, Atalanta at the end of the season last year was that that jump over the hump. Had he lost that, same old Pioli, he would have been fired, gone to a mid-table mm -hmm. team. But I think he's finally found his team, and the team's really um, bounded around him and really got a good chemistry to go. And so, you know, he's got to give all the credit. Him to Maldini, I would say. Jerry, you're shaking your head. What was – what was hold on. What was Pioli's job before Milan? Fiorentina, right? Fiorentina, yeah. The, the jump was Fiorentina when when I when Astore passed away, Davide Astore passed away. That was the hump for Pioli. I think a lot of people forget that he he took that team on in, in a period where it was at his lowest. A person had, a, a kid had passed away, or or an adult, whatever you want to say, in his twenties. But I, I, yeah, he was, I think he was over thirty. Actually, he was. Was he over thirty? He was, he was like thirty-one. Oh, wow. I think when he died. I didn't even know yeah. that. Yeah. Think about what 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 kind of what kind of hurdle that was to keep yeah. the team intact, to make sure that they were still performing at their at their highest level. Think about the relationships that were were built within the actual dressing room within the squad, like how close they were they were with the player, and they still had to go on and play that season. And, That's a great job, Jerry. That's a great and, job. And I always yeah. look back. That is what made him a better coach. Now is that he learned what you can't learn in training when you go. And that's why when I look at Retiro and, and people are saying Retiro Juventus, Retiro Lazio. And I think it, it, it kind of coincides. It, it kind of, it kind of works together where in, when people are saying, well, sorry, can't talk to players. Right. And that's something that Pioli has learned that maybe sorry, hasn't been able to learn because of that situation. And that's why Milan's so good because he knows how to communicate with players now he knows how to do the intangibles that a lot of players, a lot of managers struggle to do. A lot, man. Like, I love Conte, but Conte doesn't have that kind of side of his game that is so effective to him. You know what I mean? Like, well, we got we, we to gotta get to Conte a little bit I, later. I did, He's got I, a new I'm, gig. I'm going to disagree slightly with Jerry on Conte because I've heard a lot of things from Interisti. And, that um, he, he can? He, in, the, in the back room, he's very team-oriented. Players love yeah. him. Out okay. in public, he acts like a fucking dick because he's trying to get a point across. But right in, behind the scenes, apparently he's like the most loved manager. So you're you're 100 right. He he okay. is like like, like for, for for Conte uh, and and some of this with Mourinho as well. Uh, like for Conte, he he wants to create this siege mentality, this mm -hmm. us against the world type of mentality. Where and and obviously, you know, if if players get on his shit list. You know, like Diego Costa, you know, if, if players get on a shit list, then you're probably not coming back from that doghouse, right? But for the ones who actually want to play for him and want to fight for him, yeah, like I like 
dude, there there are probably players on this Inter team right now who would have taken a bullet for that guy last year. Like it's it's that much love for Conte. So yeah, I agree with Richard 100. percent I bet right. Lukaku misses Conte. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It wouldn't oh, surprise yeah. me if, if Lukaku starts coming out and saying, "Guys, I'm a lifelong Spurs supporter. Like yeah. this is my this is my boyhood yeah. club." <laughs> oh yeah, every club this guy signs with. Oh, I grew up a fan of this club. He's gonna be trying to force his. He's way a Drake of football. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just think that Pioli gets shit on way too much still, and he he needs to get the respect that he deserves with Milan. Um. I, I just hope for his sake that they're not winter scudetto champions again and they they, they manage for, for Milan's sake. For me, I don't give a crap. I'll be honest. I can care less that they crash and burn. But um for for your sake, Richard, that it's not just a a, a winter scudetto and that it this season has to be like over that hump for, for, for winning. But at the end of the day, even if he doesn't win and he finishes top four, the guy has to get praised because he took on a team that was at its lowest as well, and he really turned it around. Even when his back was against the wall, he figured out ways to win. So, and and on the off topic, I know that Juventus is in Retiro. I think Retiro, I was against it, but in, now thinking after the last two games of Lazio, I think Retiro does work for, for many good reasons. And just, just any teams who are struggling, I think that we, we forget that in, in practices that you're not able to communicate with players. You don't, well, you're not, not that you can't, but you don't think about it. It's not the place to like build relationships because you're, you're thinking tactical, right? You're trying to think about getting your game and allow your players to adapt to what your, your style is. But I think for certain teams, a material would, would, would do a lot of good so that the relationships are built. So, Players can and, and managers can understand each other, and I think that one player, and I'll say, is Luis Alberto, will have a better season because of that retiro. Um, starting the last two games is anybody who who knows Lazio, that's massive. Playing Cataldi along Sergey, and, and I think that the team really bonded that three days and and, and got the kinks off. And I think that for Juventus a retiro could actually help them. As much as we laugh at a team who spends so much money, maybe a team like that needs it as well because of, of Allegri coming in as well. I know that he's not new, but he is new in a way where two years later, and, and, it, and it could help them because there's a lot of players in that team that maybe needs a wake-up call and needs to communicate and talk to their manager and understand what's going on and just to get things off their shoulders. So, And I wouldn't be surprised if Roma went down that, that path eventually. I, I personally would not be surprised. Um, you know, the, the, I'll tell you, the person that I feel really bad for in Retiro is Weston McKenney. I mean, how's he going to be throwing parties and sneaking sisters in when they're on Retiro? I feel is this dude's going to be this dude's going to be suffering for however long that one lasts. Uh, I, I want to get uh, a few words from Richard on the Milan Derby coming up this weekend. This is a fixture that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, in, in recent years, Inter have done very well in this fixture. Um, you know, uh, M- Milan obviously are off to the better start this season. There's no question. And you always get the feeling that in a derby, anything can happen, right? So yeah. I, I, I have a hard time making picks in this game because you kind of feel like you throw whatever logic you have out the window. Um, you know, it does uh, or could at least work 
in Inter's advantage, of course, with uh, Teo Hernandez having just collected that red. He's going to be suspended for this matchup. So, um, you know, we'll see we'll see to what level Inter can take advantage of that. But I, at the same time, I worry about Zlatan because in this fixture, Zlatan is guaranteed to score at least once. Right? It's it's going to happen. He always he always scores against Inter. So. Uh, I, I have a hard time really making a, a pick in this game, Richard, as far as the scoreline goes. And I'm also very superstitious, so maybe I don't want to make a, a pick on the scoreline for this matchup. But, you know, I, I have seen uh, in the previous couple of matchups, and it's not against this caliber, caliber of opposition. You know, Inter played well against Empoli. They played pretty well against Udinese. I think you're starting to see the identity of this side in attack, although I wish they were a little bit more clinical. Right. And, and it's interesting because Joaquin Correa, who wasn't really doing very well until he started scoring against the Udinese match. I'll take more of that. I mean, if he's going to yeah. be virtually invisible, you know, for for about an hour stretch and then score a couple of goals and be decisive, I will take that. I, I also head into this game looking and yeah, expecting Hakan Chalhanolu to start against his former club. I know if our buddy Michael Lisi is watching this, yeah, I will admit Hakan has been hot garbage for the vast majority of the season. Uh, I do think he played pretty well against Udinese, so hopefully he can carry that mentality over, and hopefully he can have a little chip on the shoulder going up against Milan and try to make the most of that. And, like, I think uh, I'll go over what I expect to be inter-starting 11, and then I'll bring uh, Richard in to discuss everything. Uh, you know, barring barring any sort of injuries, uh, Inzaghi is pretty consistent with like his big game, his big match eleven, Andanovic and Net. You know, the usual three in the center backs uh, with Skriniar, Bastoni, and uh, and Devry. I, I expect uh, Ivan Perisic to start the match at left wing back. He was really good in the Udinese match, and uh, Matteo Darmian to start at right wing back. Uh, Brozovic, Barella. And uh, and who am I? Who am I leaving out? Uh, oh, Hakan in the. How can I leave Hakan out after all that conversation? Uh, and then uh, the front two, Jekko and Lautaro. So I'm I'm expecting that to be Inzaghi starting eleven. So what say you, Richard? What really stands out to you as you look ahead to this match? There's a, there's so first, it's not going against Conte, so you have that advantage. But yeah. what Inzaghi has shown is that in the beginning of the start of the season, Inter were very much an attack-minded team, right? Uh, and what he's shown in the last several weeks is that they can play defensively when they want to. So they have more than just one game plan now, and that makes them very... But by the way, hold on, hold on real quick. I found the culprit because I temporarily muted you. Jerry, like, like, t t turn the baseball game down, man. Is that uh, Are you watching the World Series? <laughs> you can hear that. I can yeah. hear that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't have to turn around. I could have listened to you. <laughs> Shit. Uh, oh, it's loud. It's because my microphones and my headphones oh, are on. Oh, you've got like, noise canceling. Oh, rookie. <laughs> rookie. <laughs> Let's just end the show now. I was like, wait a second. Well, I was like, wait a second. I, I didn't even notice that because when you put these on, like the headphones, <laughs> I don't hear nothing. I was like, wait a second. I wasn't even paying attention, guys. No, so you're all good. I just like, like I, I muted oh, you for a god. second to see if it was you, and I'm like, yeah, I found the culprit. <laughs> oh god, the whole time you're hearing this, <laughs> Jerry's gonna curse one of us, and it was him the whole time. Yeah, so, uh, talking about oh, Inter can play two styles. They can play attack-minded, obviously, and they can play very defensively too. So that makes them much more dangerous. Obviously, the two main keys for me in the game. I'm happy that Joaquin Correa is not starting because he's a Milan killer. Um, if he had started, it'd be much more dangerous. But again, he can come off the bench and then become. If it's a tie game or something, he can come out and make it a big game changer there. And then Hakan, uh, though he is garbage, 
hot garbage, as you call him, <laughs> he may have a chip on his shoulder. And he, he tends to play big games in, in situations like this. Obviously, first game of the season, he had, what, two goals or whatever, a goal and two assists, something crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, it was a goal and assist. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So he, he, he has these moments, and if he has a chip on his shoulder, he could very well perform well. But, you know, on the flip side of that, Milan, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that Teo's not there. Yeah, Teo is fantastic going forward. He's a huge liability going backwards, especially if it's Correa or Dumfries, somebody, a speedster on his side. He can't handle that. He's shown that in these kind of games. Look at Hakimi last season, right? Uh, so maybe it's a blessing in disguise to have Balotori because Milan will play more defensively in that respect. Um, I imagine more help with Kessie or Benacer or something like that. Leao has been traditionally good in these games, and now this is yeah. his best season ever, so he could have a breakout along with Zlatan in this game. Look for that. I imagine goals both ways. Uh, it's going to be hard to call. I, You know, you can never look at the forms of both of either team because it doesn't matter in these derbies. We've seen nope. both teams being top and the other one bottom and the other one win, right? It doesn't matter. Um, and it's it's too tight to call. I'm with you. I, 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 don't, I can see – I'm hoping worst-case scenario is a draw because uh, I, I, I know Inter is going to bring goals. And I yeah. think Milan can. I think Milan can score too. It just. It's. I don't know what to expect. Really, I, I'm nervous for this game. Probably more so than any other game I've been this year, including Liverpool and Atleti and all these other games that we played. Big games we played. Uh, it just. It's a derby. It's so unpredictable, and you can never. Every time you think you have a wrap on it, you you don't. Uh, so. Yeah. And I, I I think it's um you know if 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 they split the points it doesn't really have a huge benefit or detriment to either side I, I think obviously uh, I think it's more important for Inter to try to win this one being right now seven points back in the table so if Milan take all three points a ten point advantage becomes very massive uh, for Milan and obviously a massive blow even early for Inter Scudetto hopes. So I, I, I think uh, it's probably more important for Inter to take three points if Milan were to drop all the points. I'm not saying you want that. Obviously, you don't, Richard, but you'd still have a four-point cushion in the table, and it's not the end of the world. Uh, draw is not the end of the world for either side. So I'm very curious. And, and what I the, the scenario I just talked about from an Inter perspective, if you were to drop all three points in this match, it's why I'm especially nervous because uh, – I, I would never, I would never call a Scudetto race uh, in in early November. Don't get me wrong, but ten points becomes a massive hill to climb, and it's not just Milan. They'd be climbing that hill on Napoli are also way up there, and then interplay Napoli. Uh, I think the following match day, so that becomes a, a tremendously important stretch. You know what's crazy too is that Milan and and Napoli both have had great first halves of the season in recent memory, and then they've blown it at the end. And imagine if both these teams, not saying, you know, I don't want to wish well ill on Inter. Uh, but, you know, imagine both these teams, you know, Milan gets a win and they're 10 points up. So is Napoli on Inter, who's third place. So imagine they have both of them have huge leads. And imagine if, you know, just let's play devil's advocate. They both choked away and they lost this huge lead. <laughs> imagine the psyche of their of their fan bases, my, my, me included. I mean, that's that's yeah. heartbreaking. You got a 10-point leader into this early. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> but and it could work on the flip side, too, where they just pull away from everybody. It's a two-horse race, which I'm kind of hoping for. But you know. I hope not, because it'll get boring real quick. For you, maybe. Not for me. Majority Syria, yes. Majority Syria, I agree. Uh, and, and, I think, and by the way, and, and, and I, I can say this, uh, there, there are no Napoli supporters on the panel, and we do have several that we're friendly with, and we invite them on. Um, I... I, I don't know what it is because a number of the Napoli supporters that I follow, they do not seem to have an ounce of superstition in their bodies, which is shocking to me. Like I, I've seen a handful of Napoli supporters like already talking about a Scudetto. And even if they're being like sarcastic or joking around, bro, like 
you know, I, I saw I saw Inter last season win a Scudetto ultimately by 12 points. And I never once uttered that word until it was like official because I'm I'm so superstitious. And, and I see Napoli supporters in November talking about a Scudetto. I'm like, dude, I, you don't even want to mess with that sort of negative mojo, man. Especially after a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, that's right. I think I think it has to do with uh, the gender, like which um, age group of Napoli supporters is kind of talking about it. Because I see like the much older, like older fans. I'd seen them go through the the ranks from uh, winning with Maradona to getting dropped down to what City C, yeah, and then having to work their way back up. They always expect the worst, and I see that in a lot of them. So they they're the ones who are kind of hush hush about talking about a Scudetto win. It seems to be the much younger generation of Napoli fans that haven't seen what they had to go through to get back to Serie A. They're the ones who are celebrating and haven't had to deal with that misery that they had to deal with. So I think it's a generational thing here in terms of which fans are really celebrating a Scudetto versus uh, others. You know, and, and, and Chris, I, I saw you were uh, you you were you were hopeful that hopefully uh, it doesn't become you know a two horse race down the stretch between Milan and Napoli. Uh, how do how do you see the Scudetto race potentially playing out? Do you think do you think Roma can get in it? Do you think Inter can get in it or, or stay I in think, it? Do you think it's going to be more than a one or a two horse race? I think uh, I think it, there's a chance of it being a two horse race because. I mean, I think it's I think it's more likely to be a three horse race, to be honest, between Napoli and Milan and Inter. Um I know I know it's early. I Juve might pull it together and somehow climb their way up the ranks. It's it wouldn't be the first time. Um I I wouldn't expect it, but you never know. Um but I think it's gonna be a three horse race. I'm just hoping we can just sneak into the top four. Um you know, if we have a nice a nice Mercato, um, I'm hoping we can at least sneak in the top four Roma here, but who knows? But I think it's I think it's a three horse race. And no one cares about Lazio, so it's all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dude, dude, I, I wanna Sorry, I wanna open the floor to anybody, Jerry, uh, Chris, Mass, yeah. if if anybody because uh, Richard and I have already said our piece and neither of us have enough balls to actually pick a winner. Uh, so if anyone else has a thought on the Milan Derby this weekend and how you can see that playing out. I'm going low-scoring low, low game, one nothing. It, it could go either way, though. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game unless something happens and it gets blown up, like blown wide open. But I don't see it being a high-scoring affair. I feel like Milan has more uh, momentum right now. I feel like they have more... Uh... I feel like they have more to prove for some reason. I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be close, but I think I think I'm gonna go with two one Milan. Um, I think coming off a, a big Roma win, um, I think they have more more momentum. I really do. What do you think, Jerry? You guys are doubting my man, man. I can't believe you guys oh, are doubting my man. Out. I love it. He's caping up for Inzaghi now. I, I am guys. Jerry. I am Jerry. So I, am Jerry. I thought I was going to talk about Zeko for a second. Oh, I love Zeko's playing so good because of Inzaghi. Dude, it bothers, it like, bothers I, I never, me. Yeah, it like, bothers, I, I, exactly. it bothers I watch, you because I, I watch you've got Jekyll. a manager who knows yeah. how to use him, just like someone. Well, I also, I think he's more player. motivated, and like I think, I think, I think, and and I, so I, I can understand, like if if Romanisti are like, what the hell, man, like why why weren't you 
running like the dude was, the the dude was disappeared years. for two years. Yeah, he, he had to leave two years ago. He had to leave two years ago, and they kept him past his, his yeah. due date. Man, imagine if we kept walking Korea for the same amount of time, like Jekyll. It would just be a waste to have a guy in the dressing room who doesn't want to be there and, and just shows up to play and, and periodically just comes up and has a good game and then this goals disappears again. You had a guy who was just moping around, didn't need to be there. You could have sold him for good money to Napoli. The deal didn't go through when Malik should have came to not to Roma. All the bull crap there. It kept on dragging on. I don't understand, but you probably you guys probably know better than I do about what happened there. But again, those are business decisions that you don't control. That's management. That's not on, that's not on Fonseca. Fonseca has to use what is available to him, and unfortunately, he has to figure out how to use Jekyll. Yeah, and, but he was acting like a resentful wife on the field. Yeah. He's just yeah. there moping and sulking and getting mad. But at that point, you, do you don't do? like what's going on. No, but play. You're getting paid regardless. If that's the case, he could have been like Fazio. He could have been like anyone else. Just sit on the bench. Shut up. Take your paycheck until we get rid of it. I would want. I would want to score goals for my team, regardless. You know what I mean? You yeah, hundred percent. And, all, and also, contract. like, score goals for yourself, right? Because yeah. you know you're 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 in your thirties and you're looking at future contracts. You, the more goals you score, yeah. the more someone's going to pay you. The for better sure. inform you're in, you know, the more money you're going to get. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Well, you don't get guys like, and I'll say this: I know he's 30, uh, 35, but Stefan Radu. You don't get guys like that. Who who don't start the whole season? Come in when they have to, perform as a as a professional, do his job, knows that he gets paid, take a pay cut to stay with their team that they've been with all their life. Like guys like that are are dime a dozen now. Like we don't see guys like that who are so loyal to their club and will do anything for for what they've played for all their all their life. You know what I mean? Like. There's a lot of players who who spend time with a, with a team for six seven years and just pick up and leave because, well, either because for whatever reasons money or whatever it may be, right? Loyalty is so rare in football, and it, and it's a shame because when you it, Mass is right when you when you're getting paid X amount of money, like it or not, you should still be going on the pitch and, and playing, and that's where sometimes contracts shouldn't be fully guaranteed. You're like, yeah, well, you're gonna do that. Well, you're not getting paid this week. So X amount that you're supposed to get weekly, you're not getting it until you oh, show man. me that you're. You, you know, imagine what I mean? how much. You imagine how much better professional sports would be if it wasn't guaranteed. That's like football, it. NFL. Would, oh, yeah, NFL. NFL, NFL it's awful. great. Yeah, man. Gigi was so loyal to Raiola. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think Aaron Rodgers was the first to get like the, a, a guaranteed contract or something like that. I think uh, the, second, the second an NFL player gets paid, yeah. they just start to fall off. They yeah, it's so it's true, ridiculous. man. It's ridiculous. Well, you see what Jimmy I'm, Garoppolo was the best example. Didn't he get like a stupid amount of guaranteed money and he got a yeah. large chunk of it up front the minute his contract kicked in, right? And what's he doing now? Exactly. Kirk Cousins, but, too. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Cousins another one. But I'll, 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 we're drifting off. I'm going with Inter, and I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Um, some Zaghi. Like three, three, two, something like that? I think so. And I, and, and, and here's the thing with Inzaghi. He always showed up in the big games for, for Lazio with such limited depth. That's one thing I can give him. When it was the Rome derbies, he, he really got Lazio to a different level. Um, playing against Inter, he, he managed some really good results. Uh, Milan, I think that anytime we played them at home, we, we did very well. 
for some reason, we can't win at the San Siro. I don't know what yeah, it is. Not an easy place it's, to win. It's not an easy place. But he was the first manager to get a win in at the San Siro in 30 years. Like, this guy gets wins in big games. For some reason, Lazio always dropped against the lower tier mid-table t- points, and that's always disappointing, but that's the same for any team. But this is a guy who, who can really turn it around in, 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 a, in, a, in a big match. And I think tomorrow is a really big indication because we need to see how, how Milan plays against Porto and how Inter plays against... Um, who are they playing tomorrow? Oh, um, Sheriff. Sheriff. I think those are really important to see what the outcomes are, how how they perform, and all that. Because heading into to Sunday's game, their kind of form tomorrow will indicate has a big indication, right? So, I I'm gonna go on the fence of of Inter because Joaquin Correa loves playing Milan. Um, I think he has like six goals against him or something like that. He he has won he, he won them last year at at the Stadio Olimpico. I remember two years ago we uh he tied in the 90th minute in extra time, one one to tie the game against Milan. He's always found a way somehow to to play against uh against Milan. And I think it's the fact that Inter is gonna play off the counterattack on Sunday. I think they're gonna sit back, they're gonna defend, they're gonna allow Milan to to hold possession. And watch for Inter to attack, uh, like I just said on the counter, and they're going to use their speed to to kind of beat their 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 back line, and and I think that's where Joaquin Correa can really be advantage there. Um, Taylor Hernandez is out. I think yeah. no one's addressed that. That's a big loss. We we did and, talk about it. Okay, and Yaya Toure, Yaya Toure, <laughs> Yaya Toure. Yeah. That guy stunk against Roma. Okay. Romo was running laps around that guy. Yeah, yeah, Torre. That's an old school name. You mean Balotore. Uh, Balotore. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it. I was like, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Balotore, Yaya yeah, Torre, 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 that's how a tour. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I go with lots. I'm sorry, with the internet tip, man. Like, that's that. That's what I'm going to go with on this one. But, uh, and, and Milan gets their first loss this season. Um, but hey, I could, I'm, I'm normally wrong, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> what I think, to be honest. I hope so, you're not wrong this time. I think, Jerry. I think the last thing we should talk about, and, 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 and I'm surprised we haven't talked about this, is Antonio Conte. Going I wanted to, to get to it before we wrap up. Him. That's the last thing I want to talk about because I am, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I don't give a shit, man. I, I, I resented Jose Mourinho when he joined Roma because of Lazio. Um, mm-hmm. I will not resent Antonio Conte because I'm not I, I like Chelsea. I'm a casual fan. I'm not diehard like Lazio growing up. But for the most part, it's not even that. It's the fact that the way he left Chelsea, I have no no resent against him that he chose Tottenham. Because it was a bad, bitter ending. It was, and, and it wasn't a bad, bitter ending like Inter, where he left for for good reason. He yeah, left. He, it, well, and he's actually like, been pretty gracious about that. Like you know, in in his in his presser, he actually had some nice things to say about Inter. So he's not like motherfucking them or anything on the way out. So I, I respect not. it. He's not. He's not. There's nothing wrong. It's a business decision where he knew that 
he is in a leave. They didn't have the resources to help him. Um, I don't blame him. When you win X amount of trophies, you're not settling for less. You're going to settle for more because you know what you can do with more. Especially a guy like, like that because he, yeah. he always asks for the moon. Exactly. But it's not like he's walking into your house and saying, hey, give me $3 million and, and you're gonna, he's going to come back and say, I lost $3 million. I have nothing on the return on the investment. He'll come back and make $3 million into $12 million. So that's why, like, for me, Conte can go to Tottenham. I hope he and – and I would be so happy for him if he achieved and, and, and succeeded. If it's not Chelsea, I, can, I wouldn't mind Spurs just because of Conte. United can, can kiss my ass. Really, I, I, know, I don't care. And, 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 and so, so something that annoys me is, uh, and dude, English football fans are the worst. I, I clashed heads with enough of them during the Euros before those losers came in second place. But like the lack of appreciation that they have for Conte, it's like, oh, this bloke, we, we don't need him here at Tottenham. This guy's too defensive. Like, are, 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 do you see how many goals his inter team scored? The last couple of seasons, like there is no appreciation whatsoever to good managers from the English fans, and it drives me crazy, especially to see Tottenham fans. So, and not I'm some of them are happy, I'm sure, but the ones that I've seen that are unappreciative, like dude, Antonio Conte is bigger than your entire club. Like your club is known to be chokers and losers. Okay, so you're in London and you have a lot of money in theory, so you think you're a they huge never club. spend it either. Right, yeah, like the owner has a funny lot of about money. Con- which is funny about Conte going is that he uh, he gives them the re- they they have the resources to use to help him the same the, the way that Inter couldn't, but right. I've never seen Tottenham use those resources to kind of better their squad. But, but they, uh, they yeah, will yeah, I know what you're saying. They I see what you're know. saying. But like like Conte, I'm sure Conte was smart enough to get some kind of guarantees. Otherwise, otherwise the marriage is going to last like two months. I hope so. Right? I yeah, hope so. I That's mean, what shocked me initially. Yeah, they gotta know how he is. You know what I mean? They yeah. gotta know what he wants and what he needs. They had to have gone over that, so I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll uh, they'll rock with it. Yeah, he the happiest guy has got to be Harry Kane, though, right? He's been playing so poor, and now he's gonna get Conte. He's gonna have the same effect that Lukaku had with Conte. He's gonna yeah. get all these boatloads of goals. Yep. Um, so defensive. Yeah, he's so defensive. Yeah. Dele yeah, Ali too. Ali's another yeah. one's gonna be uh, ecstatic to have Conte if they uh, he says on good terms. Yeah, and and Conte, he also like he he tends to know the right time to take a job. Uh, you know, he's not going to stay anywhere more than two or three seasons. That's been his pattern. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I think he's not taking that job unless he thinks he can win there. And I think uh, you know they they're they're going to win they're going to win trophies uh, under Conte. So I hope I hope the fans of Tottenham appreciate that. I think some do, and a lot don't. And I think the ones who don't appreciate this are stupid. <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else have any words on Conte before we wrap it up? I think Man U is absolutely stupid to have not gone with Conte. Yeah, they have so many resources to win, and they are settling right now, and it's going to bite them right in the ass. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily like Tottenham, um, especially as, as I support Southampton, but I wouldn't mind Conte winning. As a screw you to me, United, and then to everyone else, and I want him to pull like a Chiesa and grab his dick afterwards, and like, yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh man, I, it, it's I, bad that Tottenham got him because Man, man United really needs a, a coach yeah. like Conte yeah. in that locker room yeah, with what the team the they have. They should not be struggling with the players they have. It makes zero no. sense to me watching the that thing. Team. The thing is, I don't know how Conte would have been with Ronaldo. That would have been. Ooh, uh, I would have loved to see that. 
that would have been very interesting, I think. Two big yeah, egos. That's very true. I don't know how that would have gone. What's what's happening in the baseball game, Jerry? I got the Miami Heat game on. And by the way, shout out to my guy Mass, who had some uh, betting tips on my daily show the other day. And, uh, and, and I've been slowly did... following the score. What's it at right now? I've been like kind of like peeking at my phone, taking a look. It's uh one ten ninety eight Heat. I think they're about to go to the free throw line, but they're up one ten ninety eight. Four minutes to go. Ooh, I might be staying oh, up late tonight, boys, celebrating. Five nothing Braves. Ooh, yes. okay. Should so, this, they should have sealed this last game, these idiots. Yeah, I know. Richard, I what are you going to do to celebrate? Yeah. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Sound a lot like me. When you're almost 40, you just value sleep. Yeah, and you're a dad. Yeah. Hey, for the Conte, I, I personally think that ownership realized that under Nuno, what was happening, they, they I think from, from Mourinho going downhill with, with Tottenham and then going downhill with Nuno, I really believe that the board and, and bringing Paratici in and knowing what Conte is in his time at Juventus really played a role into this because they must have gone inside and Levy and Paratici were in a room and said, hey, he must have just said, these are the results I entered two years. And everybody's asking, well, why 18 months? Why is he signed for 18 months? Because it's proven, it's actually proven that Conte gets results in 18 months. Right. So they signed a two-year contract, basically almost two years, but whatever. It's two seasons, whatever. And and he's going to turn it around in two years. And after that, he's going to leave because Conte doesn't stay at a club for six years. Right. That's not Conte. Conte can't stay at one club for such a long time. If he were to renew his contract, probably an extra year he would put on to that. He's I like a millennial of yeah. managers. Yeah, yeah man. Like, changes jobs frequently. Yeah, like he's in there. He's gonna get the first guy. He's gonna get is Frank Kessier. and and, and yeah. sorry, Richard, he's gone. <laughs> you you guys, you can give me that all you want, but Maldini is gonna drop the bomb on this one too. Um, Define they, drop the bomb. Well, he, I guess he he dropped the he's bomb. He's stick like, to his guns and loses player. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like let's be realistic. They should have yeah. sold him in the summer. Yeah. I, I, Frank Kessie has been poor this year. Um, I know that he 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 left Savage in his pocket. I understand that. I think a lot of people overestimate that game because that was Lazio who who was really like the stock market where they really inflated. They went really high, higher than what they really were into that game. And it was a team that just didn't have an identity yet under Sarri. They played Lazio at their lowest peak. And it really wasn't their highest. You know what I mean? They beat Spezia. They beat Empoli. And, and, and shout out to Kessie because he he dominated Savage. But I didn't see that all year from him. You know what I mean? I haven't seen enough of what he was able to do in that Lazio game where he's been consistent, whereas Tonali's been consistent. And if you're going to get something out of Kessie, maybe you, you get a guy like that. You get the most out of him, get back to the Champions League, hope for the best. And or you sell him in the January transfer window if you can still sell him. I, I'm pretty sure you still can. Uh, I, I don't. Are you? Or is that no. So the way the way free transfers work is that if you're within six months of your contract expiring, you're free to sign with any club. I right. mean, in, in June you can leave with them, so you can't sell them. Unfortunately, the pre-contract okay, so, you can sign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's why Latos has signed Felipe and all these guys before six months. Okay, that makes sense. Oh uh, man, but again. Uh, I wouldn't sell Kessie. I wouldn't sign Kessie for $8 million a year. 
he's not worth that much. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't. Give a crap, I think man. he is, dude. I re- regardless of what we've really? seen for the early part of the season, I think he is. I, I think he's a ball. Old is he? God, he's like twenty four or something. He's young. Oh yeah. Young, yes. Okay? Yeah, he's young. Yeah. A lot of yeah. money, man. But I guess. I guess I, I think it's a lot of money because Serie A. Well, it, it's right. It seems like a lot of money in Serie A in in the Premier League. Like that's that's you pick up that change on the street. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's great I, from the spot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I think the biggest the, the biggest winner if he goes is Tenali because now it's Tenali's midfield to to really yeah. take over. Like that, it's it's him. Like, um, man, best midfielder for 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 Milan probably this season. I would say him, yeah. uh, maybe Brahim Diaz as well. I, I I really rate him highly. Um, again, two different midfielders, but those two have been really their best players in that middle of the park. Um, and I don't give a shout out to Krunic because Krunic is he he's not your your most wow player, but. He he's come in and, and has given them some depth, something that he hasn't been able to give. I, I think in recent seasons, maybe Richard can follow up on that. But like, I think he's been decent this year. And, and the reason why I say that too is that Pioli has given him a lot more playing time compared to recent years. And like, I think that 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 speaks highly about where his game is kind of growing a bit, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every manager has that one player that we all are like, why the hell are you letting him play? For Inter, it's probably Gagliardini, right? Uh, for Milan, it's certainly Krunic. For Roma, I don't know. Is it, you know, Cristante? I don't know Cristante, but I don't know. Cristante's every team has their player. Yeah. Cristante has been pretty well, to be honest, yeah. so far. Every every manager has that player that we're like, why he are you has, him? But He has his moments, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but he's not a center back. That's the problem. The poor guy played out of position yeah. last year. Like it's like Marco Parolo playing center back as well. It's like, well, these guys are midfielders. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Cristante was Cristante was great against Napoli. He was hustling, man. Yeah, that's right. He did play well. Well, listen, fellas, uh, l- l- let's wrap it up here. I want to give everybody a chance to uh, to promote where people can find you. Actually, l- let me go first on behalf of the channel, please. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube. Keep in mind, you can get the audio versions of our episodes. Subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your pods. Just search Calcho Connection. Please subscribe. Uh, and if you're listening to us, keep in mind, you can watch the video of all of our episodes live. And, and uh, you know, you can watch the replays as well at YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to our channel at Calcho Connection and, uh, and hit the thumbs up button. If you're watching this video, please give us a like. And, uh, and if you're specifically for Interisti watching, because I don't know if supporters of other clubs would be too interested, but we do some Inter content uh, on our Patreon page. Uh, I do some of it, and I collaborate with Anthony from Inter Worldwide on that. So you can check us out, patreon.com slash Calcio Connection. Uh, so l- let me give our guests a chance. We'll go uh, with Chris first, the newbie on this episode. Where can people find you? And if you have anything to promote, the floor is yours. Uh, CDeSantis05. Uh Catch me on Twitter and Instagram. That's the best place to find me. Love it. What about you, Mass? Because you have some new projects going. Yeah, so you could catch me on Twitter uh, at Mass148 uh, for all things Roma and just generally sports. Um, and you could catch uh, our new episode uh, every Thursday at 9 a.m. across all uh, 
podcasting platforms for uh, the uh, the daily stakes that I just uh, started uh, working with uh, and putting out content there. So you can check us out. It's mostly uh, North American sports based and uh, based on betting and anal- an- uh, through analytics. But uh, I'm working to soften the guys into maybe getting a little uh, couch action going there. So uh, we'll see. It's in the future. It's in the future nice. plans, maybe. I love it. Yeah, and I've, I've become friendly uh, with everybody at the Daily Stakes. Obviously, Mass I've known for a little while, and it's it's incredible. Like I'm I'm an I'm an avid sports better, and I tend to go by the eye test, and the they do it better, right? When it comes to all the analytics, they give me the proper advice that I need to get the edge. Uh, Richard Carmen, you're doing great things always. Ooh, six nothing Braves now. Richard, you're doing great things. You and Frank Cravello on the city. I sit down. Where can people find you and all your work? Well, I have to take the chance to promote my women's clothing line with uh, RK. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Syria, sit down. You can uh, you can see the the tag, the handle right there. Uh, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere really. Uh, our podcast stream everywhere. We just did a great uh, Roma feature, actually. You two gentlemen will like it uh, with Wayne Gerard of Roma English, where we go deep dive on Roma. And so that's uh, the video is available on YouTube. The audio will be available on the podcast this coming tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow when we record with uh, with Frank. Um, we, we just started doing this fan reaction. Jerry just did one for us. So thank you, Jerry. We get reactions from all the big games of different fans from everywhere just to get them collaborated and really spread the, the creator love around. So everyone gets to know where all these people are, who they support Just spread the couch of love. That's what we need more love of. Right. Um, and yeah, you can follow me at R underscore K H A R M A N and give Frank a follow as well at FTC underscore 21 and shout out to world football index. So there you go. Love it. Jerry, what about you, man? Have you written 20 stories this week? Where can we find your work? We have uh, Kelly. How do you say her last name? Givaro. Givaro. Kelly Givaro. Yeah. She'll be coming on on Thursday. Napoli, That's awesome. Family I can't wait to talk to her again. Goalkeeper. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, she'll be coming on on Thursday at 12 o'clock. So she's excited. And it's funny because she wants to come on and she doesn't want to talk about like her own team. She just wants to come on just to talk about like shoot the shit about football which is really cool because like she has i think it gives her some time to just mingle with people right so um we have that i did a piece on her and how she got to her how she's been able to get to where she is and how she faces lazio this sunday in the feminile with napoli um I wrote a piece with her basically breaking down the game and kind of an in-depth on the other side of what we can expect from, from Napoli. And, uh, yeah, some pieces. I got a piece on Joaquin Correa. I still haven't been able to, to submit um, this at the Laziale, but most of my work. And uh, some hopefully I'm planning on writing a piece on Sebastian Jovinko for World Football Index as well. Um, apparently, I think, I think it's pretty – Eminent that he's going to be joining TFC for the most yeah. part. So it's mostly like what he can do and how, how his impact can still be, even though he's still late 30s. I, I believe he still has it. We can really benefit TFC. Well, especially in ML ass, he can still accomplish things, I think. Well, not some guys like he going ass. Yeah, work, actually, you know what? He, he ended up having a decent year, Iguain. Uh, You know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't support uh, Inter Miami anymore because we had a, a pretty bitter professional divorce. But, uh, but no, he, he quite, I still, I still watch their games. Uh, Higuain, uh actually was not that terrible, and and his older brother who played with him there, 
who just played his final game. He retired. Uh, he actually had a good year as well. But the team. Stopped. I was hoping that was Gonzalo when they heard retirement. Iguain. I was like Gonzalo. Oh, no. No, it was like his 60-year-old brother. I don't know who's still playing. <laughs> he wasn't. He's not really 60, but he's like, I don't know, he's like 38 or something. Like he's, uh, yeah, the, the brother uh, Federico Higuain, he just retired. Well, listen, I, I can't thank everybody enough, not only our guests here, but everyone who watched us, listened to us. We appreciate you guys. Uh, I will talk to everyone later. Uh, we will talk to you guys on our next episode. Jerry and I will be interviewing Kelly Chiavato on Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time. For Richard, for Chris, for Mass, for Jerry, I'm Dono. We will talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.